I'm Scott Kahn. This is the Yeshiva Review. I'm at Yeshiva Torah Shraga in Bayat Vagan in Yerushalayim, and I'm sitting with Rabbi Avi Schneider, and I'm sitting with Rabbi Aryeh Ifra. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Avi Schneider. Grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Been living in Eretz for about 14 years. Blessed with six children, two sets of twins. It's a great story, but I'll share with you outside of the mic. Uh, Rabbi Aryeh Eric Ifra, um, from Philadelphia. I've been here for about 11 and a half years or so. I have six kids also. <coughs> I live in Giva Mordechai right next to Yeshiva, so I'm basically here all the time and uh, looking forward. So, Schneider, can you tell me a little bit about the history of Torah Shraga? The, uh, the Yeshiva began, actually, I think this is the 16th year of the Yeshiva. Um, it started in the first year of Eriskin, involved in many, many institutions, opened up the Yeshiva. And um, the first year was a year with uh, Baruch Hashem. It was, uh, it was a little smaller, but uh, as the year went on, the second year, the staff that we have today, the, the, the administration, Rabbi David, Rabbi Olshan, joined the yeshiva in its second year. And it's the 15th year of those administrative um, representatives that are running it. I think the yeshiva's excellence is, um, you, have, you have multiple styles of yeshiva. Some yeshivas are Gemara-focused the entire day, and those boys who go there are able to sit and learn the entire day through don't require as much assistance, perhaps, from uh, from the Rebbeim who are around. It's more, here's the Marmakomas, and you're really more on your own. Uh, there are other yeshivas who are a little more in the other direction, which is that they're more, we call it more inspirational. Where they, 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 it's not as instructional, it's not as much textually based, more inspirational. We're there, they have more classes. So we, we wanted very much to create a yeshiva where the learning Gemara was a major, major focus of it. We did not want to sacrifice the personal re- Rebbe relationship, the other topics that could be learned at the same time as Gemara. And therefore, the yeshiva is, is, is structured in a way where the morning and afternoon seder are very intensive Gemara Sadarim, where the levels are in a very high level, for, at least for the top levels that we have, they're very, very strong. And to allow, to, or to not, to not lose out on the opportunity to hear classes on Tanakh, and classes on Tefillah, classes on Alacha, and Machshava, and Musar, and etc. So the yeshiva has a, a third seder of the day, which is night seder, and that seder is, is addressing a lot of these topics. Rabbi Ifra was right next to me, I'm sure he'll tell you later on, but he's a very, very popular Machshava shir, where, again, it, the, the key and the goal is not merely to, to spend the year learning Gemara and increase and improve your skills, but much more than that is to leave the yeshiva, leave the end of the year, where you feel like, like a, a tremendous connection and passion to the text that you're studying as well as the tefillahs that we do. So really, to, to sum it all up, the, uh, the yeshiva was created for a very serious, motivated student. We'll get to it soon, but the, the, I'm sure, but the, uh, the, the levels of textual ability really vary tremendously. But to a student who, who wants to, to not only w- learn and, and focus in the text, but also wants to address other areas of his religious life, as well as to create a really long-lasting connection with his rebellion and his chevra. And do you find that with Night Seder being the main focus of the things that are non-Gemara, there's enough time to get all of that done? So but thank God because it's Night Seder, a lot of times what happens is in other Sadarim you're limited. Once you end the Seder, you have another Seder to come. Because Night Seder is spilling over into your own personal time, there, there are times where if I will tell you again, Sorry for stealing, stealing the mic from you so much, but uh, that people will walk him home, you know, well after hours have ended because there's nothing afterwards you have to stop for. It goes until whatever hour you want. So because we've created a, a program that ends at night seder and ends at this machshava, you know, the other areas of, of non-gemara learning, that allows for that conversation to extend well into the, the, the late hours of the, of the night. So it's interesting. The way you're describing it, it sounds a bit as though you have the Gemara-centric type of yeshiva, the way some of the real top-tier yeshivas we hear about, with two sadarim a day, very often yeshiva will have Gemara just in the morning. And you have Gemara, you think, all morning, all afternoon. So would you put yourself as a high-level, we often talk about three tiers, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Is there a way you can describe which tier you belong Absolutely. in? Absolutely. So uh, this is going to sound a little bit strange. I don't think you'll find a range like this in any other yeshiva in Israel, for better or for worse. I'm not saying it's better. I personally think it's better, but I can understand those who question that. Our top guys are in par with the top guys in the top yeshivas, and our top shirim are in par with those as well. The guys who come to us from the top yeshivas, why they will choose Torah Shrag instead of another yeshiva that will be known as more of a top tier yeshiva, would be because, number one, they would like to have a variety of topics, not only Gemara learning. Number two is they want to be in a place where the Rebbeim are not only sitting with them in the Seder time, but well after the Seder time, have Harus' one-on-one with them, go to the Rebbeim's home for Shabbos. It's a real focus of ours to create... We don't want to lose out the, the personal attention that, 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 that comes with being a great student. We want you to give you both of them at the same time. So we'll have our top-tier guy will be coming to us for those reasons. But we also have guys who, who, who can never make it in top-tier yeshiva. Their skill level, their background is too weak. Their intellectual ability may be, may be lower. But what they do, what they're providing with us is they're providing a tremendous, tremendous effort. Those guys come in from day one, 
and they're, they're motivated. They're, they want to work. They, they want to be in a place that's a very serious place. They want to be in a, even a more textual place, though they're not there yet with their own personal skills. Again, every person is their own level. We give guys the, the, the room they need to, to build up the stamina. But every guy who comes to us knows they're going to a place that's more Gemara focused, more serious about making sure you leave the year with a real strength and connection to learning, but not sacrificing the other areas of growth that could come along with the year experience in other yeshivas that one would call maybe not tier one. We want to have those experiences with them as well. And that's how really we, we focus in the year. Besides for the night seder, which I think is the focus, the, you know, the primary focus of the non-Gemara learning in yeshiva, we also do have two other slots um, in the afternoon, mostly, um, where we learn other things that are not Gemara. One is at 3 o'clock. There's also different topics, halacha, machshava, tanach. And aside from that, we also have 610 every day. 610, we also have other topics. Yeah, Pirkei Avos, also machshava, also tanach. A variety of topics from 610 to 7 o'clock every day, which is at the end of uh, afternoon seder. So afternoon seder is sandwiched. There's Gemara in the middle with... Other things on either end of it. Other things on either end. Now, the, the focus, obviously, I is would say it's, it's a lot of filling in that sandwich, meaning it's not like like evenly sandwiched. You have, uh-huh. a, you have a half hour like to, to get the guys coming and, and excited when they first come. The middle chunk is, is, is two and a half hours. That's that's the Gemara, meaning which means Seder, 3.30 to 6 o'clock. That's the chunk. I mean, that, that's, again, that is the main focus of the afternoon Seder. But we do certainly want the guys to have many opportunities. So we have an hour at the end as well. So you have an hour and a half, a half hour, an hour sandwiching, you know, this nice cookie. Mm-hmm. But in the middle is a lot of cream filling. Right. <laughs> if we could just add one thing to that, <laughs> very nice description, um, which is that there's also one of the, I think one of the great things about, about the yeshiva is that we are very flexible in terms of, uh, you know, adjusting the schedule for guys who need a little bit of adjustment. I actually just had a conversation yesterday with somebody about this. That the guy asked me, he said, during 610, I actually want to do Chazara on Bikis that we just finished learning. So do you think it's okay? You know, can I get permission not to go to the 610 shear and to spend that time in the base medrash uh, doing Chazara on the Bikis? So, I, so yeah, we gave, of course, we gave him permission for that. So there is, you know, a guy, we do have guys like that, and, and we, do acco- we, we do accommodate those guys. If they're looking for something that is not necessarily built into the schedule, we can, we can shift, we're flexible. Does that right? work in the other direction as well? Let's say a guy wants less Gemara. Would Tarashraga be the right place for him? Or would he say, no, I, I do like Tarashraga, I love the personal attention, I love the location, I love whatever else it is that draws him to Tarashraga, but he only wants to do one Gemara Seder a day. Okay, so our focus is on guys who really are trying to build up the Gemara stamina. But as we all know, we expect, you hope for yourself to be able to be ready for that. And you come to Eretz Israel and you're like, there's a lot of Gemara here, more than I realized. I'm not ready for this right now. They'll come to me, come to one of the Rebbeim, and they'll share their feelings with us. And we'll sit down and say, so you, you draft for me a model schedule. Let's try to work together and, and plan it together. So there are boys, I spoke to two boys yesterday, for example, that uh, the afternoon Seder being as, as Gemara-focused as it is, is a challenge for them. So I said, tell me what you'd rather see. I want to see some Tanakh, I want to see some more Machshava, I want to see some more Lacha, and some Gemara. So I said, let's sit down together, let's figure out how we're going to pull this off, and we'll work together. And, that's and you have really, Rebbeim who can work with them during those times? Yeah, so what we have in the yeshiva is, is, is every time that you have a Rebbe, every year, I'm sure you ask questions later on, but I'll just... I'll jump. I'll jump the jump the gun a little bit. <laughs> Every rebbe has a, an assistant rebbe, a sholomeshiv, <laughs> who works with him. So let's say a rebbe is giving shear. That means the sholomeshiv is in the base medrash, and therefore, you know, if you if you pick the right times, that means that you'll have three, four, or five rebbeim who are there during multiple times of the afternoon seder to be working with a guy who is perhaps struggling in his gemara, or as Rabbi Efron said, would like to have more of a gemara one on one with a rebbe, and, and is just struggling with some chazara. So we, you know, since we know which rebbeim are, are are doing, you know, go to share at different times, and they are staggered, so you'll oftentimes have at least one or two rebbeim in the base medrash that are available to assist. So I can really go to a boy and, and, and stagger a schedule with him, and another boy, let's say, to, to kind of overlap with him and have this rebbe learn with him tefillah for a half hour during gemara seder because the rebbe is already in shear and the sholem eshiv is available to be learning with them. So we try very hard, as you mentioned, to, to go both directions. If a guy wants more Gemara learning, then he has more. You mentioned also at nighttime, we, even though it is, a, it is a, you know, usually miscellaneous topics, a guy may want to do more Gemara, which happens occasionally, and we're happy to provide that. But the same thing, as you mentioned also, will happen in the morning or afternoon where a boy is struggling. All he does is, it's really, for us, it's a partnership. You don't fit in, you know, here's our schedule, fit into it, you know, sink or swim. Here's our schedule. We want you to keep it. We think it's the best way for you to do it. You need time to build up to it. We're here to schmooze that with you. Let's figure out how to do it together. Build the stamina required. And hopefully you'll rejoin our schedule that we have planned for you as the year goes along. Some boys never get there in the end. It's also okay as long as they're working together with us. Now, I want to get back to the curriculum in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to ask again about the student body. With having students who come from different levels, you're saying this is a thing that makes the yeshiva quite unique in the sense that there are people who come from 
maybe the top shir in the yeshiva, along with those who perhaps aspire to that same level, but at the moment aren't there. How do you how do you make sure that they join together into a cohesive unit without it becoming some sort of clicky place with some people over here, the guys who don't want to learn, so to speak, and the guys who do want to learn? Is there a method that you use to... Yeah, great question. So I'll tell you that not only that, but, but our, our diversity is, is our... We're most proud of our diversity. I'll give you some examples. We have a whole Sephardic program. Rabbi Ifra, um, is one of the main Sephardic Rebbe we have. Rabbi, Rabbi David Shamula is like the grandfather, or the father, I don't want to call him grandfather, he's young still, the father of the, the, uh, the Sephardic boys. I remember when he founded it. That's right. That's right. So he's and he, so you know you know how, he, how how unbelievably dedicated he is as well. So he uh, you know we have about fifteen to eighteen Sephardic boys. Every, our goal is diversity. I want and the reason why is that you know we live in a world where we're Jews and, and uh, you can either be stuck in a box where you only appreciate your type of Jew or you uh, you appreciate everyone who, who's passionate, even if it's a little different than than we are. Whether it be in through a we'll get to it in a minute, I'm sure. But but certainly with the boys, we want diversity. By that I mean there's not. I'm very proud of this statement. There's not one high school we have by us that has double-digit amount of guys. We're trying very hard to have sprinklings from every yeshiva so that no one comes in with a big click you described. I don't want a click. Well, I don't how many want guys do you have total? About 85 first-year boys is our target mm-hmm. number. We usually get between 70 to 89 with that, but 85 is our number. typical number? Typical number. Yeah, typical number. Right. Years we have a little bit less, a little bit more, but that's our typical number we so strive you know, so there for. there aren't 20 kids who come from JEC or no, something. We don't have... We don't, yeah, no. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't have... Yeah, this year, I think we have seven from the... the eight, maybe, from the, from the, <coughs> the school that's most represented in Torah Chicago. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but that's... Even within New York, New Jersey schools, we, we don't want to have a representation of too many New York, New Jersey guys. We want also out of town the reason why I'm, I'm from Maryland, Ifra is from Philadelphia. You know, we we went to uh, we grew up with, with feeling that you want to be in a place when when, when it, you don't walk into a to, to a scene when you just don't know you know where to go. Everyone knows each other except for you. So we have about our, our aim is about forty percent of our student body is not from the tri-state area, and even the tri-state area we still sprinkle it around between different schools. Again, I mentioned already we don't have one school that has more than ten guys. That's even ten guys by us. Okay. Besides that, you know, since we have a, uh, a, a the Svardim and Ashkenazim program I mentioned up till now, 15 to 18 Svardim, uh, the goal is that you're going to meet people different than you, and among that difference is also skill level, intellectual abilities. You're not in the same shear as them, but you're, you're their roommate. I'm inspired by the guy with less skills. He's inspired by the guy with more skills, and it's uh, we, we try to structure really the way It really happens like that? It really happens, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the curriculum. We talked about how you have Gemara, but what's the nature of a Gemara shear? Is it largely independent learning followed by a Rebbe teaching 30 guys, or is it much more interactive? What what is Bikiyas different than Iyun? Rabbi Fred, what happens in, in Shir? So I think it probably varies depending on the Rebbe and depending on the level. Um, like Rabbi Schneider already mentioned, every Shir has a main Rebbe and a Shalom Meshiv. So you'll have the Rebbe meet with the whole Shir. He'll give them a little bit of an overview of what they're going to do over the course of the morning. They'll go downstairs. The guys are learning during Seder in Chavrusas. But the Rebbe and the Shalom Meshiv, their job during that, let's say, two and a half hour slot is to go around from group to group and to make sure that all the guys are keeping up and understanding what it is they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, and then at the end, the Rebbe goes back and, and gives shear. In the afternoon, at least at this stage in the year, in the first half of the year, for my, my personal shear, what I do with the guys is I give shear first. We go through the Gemara about... Is it Bikis or even in the afternoon? In the afternoon is Bikis. Okay. afternoon is Bikis. My shear happens to be the fastest shear in, in the yeshiva, so we do about an Amr a day. Okay. Um, sometimes yeah, an Amr a day. So you first read them the Amr? So for the first part of the year, let's say the first three months of the year, I go through the Amr with them first in shear. And then we go downstairs, they do Chazar in the Amud. When they do Chazar, they learn every Rashi. I don't go inside every Rashi and Shir. This is not time for that. So they go through every Rashi and Shir together. And then sometimes I give them a few Tulsusin also to learn um, during the Bikiya Seder on their own. At some point in about three months or so into the year, we switch the order. I'll have the guys prepare the Amud first, and then we'll go up to Shir. And, and Shir essentially will be for them a review, and then I'll sprinkle in the, the Tosos, and let's say that they would have learned in Seder for the first part of the year, the Tosos will be learned in Shear together in the second part of the year. And I think the guys feel, when we do it that way, they, they can actually see their progress. You know, it's a tremendous thing for a guy to come in, um, and I've experimented with it in a lot of different ways over the course of the years. I think this is really, so far, seems to be the best way. The guy, a guy who's going to struggle, you know, getting through a Gemara on his own on day one, when he, when he, transitions into the second part of the year and he actually can see himself, you know, reading through Gemaras and understanding them and knowing where to punctuate and what's a question, what's an answer, what's a brysa, what's a, you know, he can, he can identify all the key points, the key words in the Gemara and, and make a laning. So it's a, it's a tremendous sense of satisfaction and that, and that inspires him and motivates him to really, you know, 
plow through the Masechta and Mirz Hashem. We, we'll make a seam at the end of the year. Right now we're learning brachas in the afternoon. And does every shear work like that, or is each shear different? So it depends on the level. I've also given all the levels of shear in the afternoon. Over what the what level is your shear? The one you just described? That's the top shear. Okay, right top shear. The, the <laughs> lower shear will not necessarily get through the whole Masechta, although it depends on the year. Sometimes sometimes you could. And the in the lower shear also, you'll see, they'll see progression. It'll be, it might be a little bit different. It might express itself a little bit differently. They're not going to, a guy who comes in on a weaker, you know, with weaker skills is not going to end up at the end of the year with the same skill level as the guy who came in, you know, very strong. But he'll see also a very substantial improvement. And also the same thing, the same sense of satisfaction, the same sense of motivation comes along with, with that improvement. And educationally, what would you say the goal is? You mentioned skills. That's the reason I'm asking. Is it skills? Is it content acquisition? Is it something else on an educational level? So I think for Bikias, the for, for me, the main thing is that the guy should learn the skills. When I At the end of the year, you know, I feel very, very successful if the guy is out of my shear. First of all, I want them to know the Gemara. The Gemara that we learned, I want them to, to be familiar. Have the content. Have the content, absolutely, 100%. The guys in my shear, you know, over the past couple of years, took Bikinas on the Tyre Masechta at the end of the year and did very, very well. Baruch Hashem, phenomenal. So that's, and, and for the top shearim, I think that's, you know, no less of a of a goal than than the skills. For for the lower shiurim, I'm less focused when I was giving, let's say, the bottom shear. So uh, I was less focused on the content. My main goal was the skills. I want this guy to become inde- an independent learner. And how did you go about doing that? So there was much more time spent with translation of words, you know, much more time spent on identifying the key terms in the Gemara, what is Erminhi doing, what is Madhutema, you know, and Sakadaita Hamina, all the key terms that I guy should identify them, recognize them, know what they mean, and then be able to plug it into new places that he hasn't seen yet. So if he doesn't necessarily remember the whole Shaklavataria of a certain Amud that we learned, you know, three months ago, it's less of a concern for me if he knows all you know, if he still knows all the key words and when we open up tomorrow's Amud, he's gonna be able to get through it. Because that that'll be the next level for him to remember all the content. How about Neon? Is there a specific education Goal in the Yunshiur? So I'll tell you <coughs> just, uh, just to make one hour that Rabir mentioned already, yes. but in the Ian, the way it works is the first half hour of the morning, besides giving over the overview of what's going to happen in the in this in that coming Seder, it's also we, we spend the first half hour actually not doing Gemara. It's actually done relating to them in a, in a very real way about like uh, what's going on in their lives. We, we sparring with them that are not Gemara sparring, that are more Machshava based. Musa type thing? Sometimes it could put whatever really, whatever is, it depends on the year, probably would do something <coughs> based on the Chagim that are coming up, or could be if this Tfilo is a discussion among the guys. We want to create interaction outside of Gemara, Gemara related topics with a Rebbe and a Talmud. Our key is really to relate to the guys. Obviously, the way we relate to them is through learning, but, but uh, there'll be many conversations that will come up in the first half hour of that morning Seder that will not be Gemara based for the goal of just building up their other areas of. of, of Emuna, Tfila, whatever the area is that we're trying to address. The, in, in regarding the shear, back to the back to the, yes. uh, the the morning seder. So the top the top guys, as Rabbi mentioned, already, are really pretty fluent in learning. You know, they don't read every gemara by themselves, but they they know the, the the layout. You know, they don't necessarily get a word list to go along with what they're doing. Um, they need help with some words, of course, like everyone does, but uh, they're, they're very very capable. The, the guys in, in, that are in the lower shear, and I mentioned this, some very, very, there's some guys who really, really are weak coming from public school backgrounds. Even we have some guys, a few guys, not most, but a few guys every year. Rabbi Labarsky, who gives that, that skills-based shear, is, is, is a master educator at, at breaking down um, the Gemara, as, as you've experienced and you've done yourself you know, you know, in, in the past, to really explain to the guys what's happening in each part of the page, um, what to expect, to, to become comfortable with seeing a Gemara and, and understand what's <coughs> happening on this page and this line over here, that word is going to mean you're about to see a question or a suggestion that's going to be rejected. I Meaning they're learning those most basic things. I know Rubarsi is an expert at that. The middle level shirm, which there are about three of them, will, will depend. How many shirm are there all together? All together we have really five plus. I say five plus because one shirm is really for Shana Bet guys, but there are always a few of these top Shana guys that will be in it. Rabbi, Rabbi Dr. Howie Atfeld gives that shirm. Also an unbelievable educator besides being a pediatric cardiologist which is a very unique combination. Um, he's the only one we have in the staff that's a pediatric cardiologist. Really? Also, only one? Only one, I know. Yeah, one person tried, but it didn't just ban out in the end. became a lawyer right. instead. So we have five main, main shirim. There are, about, there are about 16 guys per shir. And as everybody mentioned, each rebbe has a rebbe in the show. So you have eight charusas for two rebbeim who aren't sitting down, by the way, and waiting for you to come and ask them a question. They're walking around with you. Some of those shirim... You're not sitting in the office. They're not sitting in the office. Not even sitting in the base no. manager. <laughs> they're, they're going from person to they're person. They're not sitting at all. They're not sitting. And if they're sitting, they're sitting for a few minutes and then getting up and going somewhere, sitting somewhere mm-hmm. else. But uh, some of those shirim, it depends on each middle level shirim. Let's say three of them, year by year it could be different. Different. We don't know who really who's the top until we see the guys play itself out. But some of them may require, like, you know, go through a toast with them and you break down toast into 15 parts to so make everything bite size. This is going to be a question. This is going to be an answer. This is going to be a proof. This is going to be a question that proof. And we, we lay it out and we have them now, now, now fill in what exactly happened over here and explain how it happened. Our goal is that when a guy 
you know, leaves the yeshiva and be in. Number one, he knows what the Rishonim's jobs are. Some Rishonim's job is to give a lach psak, like the rush or the riff, perhaps. Some will be to comment on that. Some will be to, you know, more agata base, or, or, or these are before who, who ask questions on Rashi and Tosos, you know, mostly, whatever it might be, that they know where to look, first of all. And second of all, is that they should be able to know when they, when they see a Tosvos, I know how to break it down. I know, I, you know, I can walk out of any Gemara. I don't mean not what the words mean, but I can tell you that was a question. There's an answer to it. I don't know what the Gemara is saying over there, but I, but I know what's about to happen here, and it makes life much easier. So I want the guys, we want the guys to be able to lead the Shiva having a tremendous comfort. The, big, the biggest thing is, is, is the intimidation factor. You open sure. up a Safer, you see a toast that's like yay long, and I'm putting my hands here for those who can't see it far apart. And you're like, okay, next. <laughs> I'll skip that one. So now there's actually this... this, this, this 41 parts this Tosfos, which is a big number, but every piece is a line and a half. Just go through it, and they'll know how to, how to number it. When we do it, when, let's say when I would give them the intro in the morning, so I would, the first few, as we first said, the first few times, the first few weeks, first few months, I would be breaking it down for them. Then after I say, now you break it down for me. They might not have the same steps I have. They may combine two, that's fine, but they're very comfortable with being able to break it down, and that creates the intimidation factor. It, it erases it completely. Because now they're reading basically 31 one-liners, and that's really doable. That intimidation is very true. I just know from my own experience that it's almost the opposite. Very often, I don't know if you agree with this, but my feeling is very often the longer Tosfos and these really long ones, in some ways, are actually easier once you allow yourself to look at it. Right. Tosfos is speaking out what he means. The problem is when you have a 15-line Tosfos and he's alluding to so many different things, then you're in trouble. Right. For you and I, it's true, but for the, for the, for the novice... They don't even open, they don't look at that fifth, at the, at whatever level time so, so, so right. the long one. They just forget they just it. Skip it. So forget when it. we even give them that toast, they, they, they sit back, you look through the horror in their face. So you say, slow down, we're going to do only these few lines today. And they'll say, oh, I got that. I, I, I picked that up today. And they'll understand step by step. And they leave They leave the day with like, I remember there was one of the first days of Yeshiva we had last year. And it was like a toast, that was like a very challenging one. I did not let go until we finished it. When the guys got it, and by the way, in the middle of my year, like, you know, I saw the people kind of like filing out like they couldn't get it in the end. Like they, people, they, they walked out a little earlier than, than it was over, which is fine. We, we let that, by the way, in the Shiva. We're very much treating like adults. We'll sure get that soon as well. But uh, like the seven guys out of 14 who stayed it, who stuck it out and got it, they left beaming. Like this was like, a, this was like, their, you know, again, they, don't, they didn't want this at all coming in. They didn't think this was what they were excited about. They were so excited to have gotten through a, a piece that was challenging and worked it out and spent tens and tens of minutes, not hours, but minutes on it, like really just, just duking it out and piece by piece. It changed around a lot of the way looked at the Gemara from that point forward. You know, if I can give an editorial comment over Please. here. Please. The fact that, I'm very glad you said that. There's so many students I've seen who get so afraid of the idea of learning all day or learning Gemara so much, and they don't understand because they haven't had that experience of being in yeshiva. They've been in high school, which is its own separate experience. They don't yet give themselves the chance to say, when I'm there and I figure something out, it's going to feel really, really amazing. That intellectual stimulation and the sense of accomplishment of being able to go through something hard and then find out next time it gets easier and easier, it's very important that they experience that. So it's nice to hear you have that. Not only that, but there are guys you see after a city and they look so happy. Like, what, what happened? Like, something happened in your family? Like, it's like, I got, I got shot in Tosvos. And you see there's a glow. Right. So that, that glow comes from someone who didn't think it was possible and is able to finally, for the first time, connect and appreciate it. And that's an unbelievable feeling to, to, to witness and to experience. Let's transition over to religious goals. What do you want your students to achieve on a spiritual level? The common denominator that everybody is, is striving for is to connect to Hashem. You know, that's what it's all about, developing a connection with God. That's going to come in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. You know, obviously the focus of being in yeshiva is Talmud Torah. Um, and, and obviously Talmud Torah creates a very powerful connection to Hashem. But... You know, different people are different. You know, even within Talmud Torah, some people connect very, very strongly to Iyun, and some people like more to focus on Bikiyas, and there's other people who find that, you know, Tanakh gets them very excited. So I would hope at the end of uh, the year in Israel, everybody's found some area of Talmud Torah that they feel connected to, and that obviously is a stepping stone for them to feel connected to Hashem. You know, besides that, you know, observance of halacha entirely, you know, a lot of guys come in, they don't, there's a lot of things, you know, every person, until you learn it, you don't know it. So over the course of the year, people learn a lot of new things in terms of halacha and how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. And uh, at the end of the year, hopefully, you know, and I think we're successful with this with most of our guys, they come out, you know, looking to learn what it is we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, and what it is we're not supposed to do. So I think those are very important goals. Other people connect in other ways. You know, we have a lot of guys, we've had guys over the course of the years run tremendous chesed events, which we haven't really spoken about yet so much, but we, we, we're located about 20-minute walk away from Shari Tzedek Hospital. We have guys who go there weekly for Bikur Cholim. During Beit HaSazam or during Seder time? On Shabbos, mostly. Ah, we have okay. a, a Shabbos group, usually, that goes. That goes. Um, and then over the course of the year, we have, you know, high, you know different times, Hanukkah, Purim, you know, other events, sometimes Rosh Chodesh that we go to um, an orphanage that we work with 
Um, we go there for bar mitzvah sometimes. We send groups of guys there to participate in bar mitzvahs with the kids there. And some guys really connect to these, you know, to the chesed opportunities that they find in yeshiva. The, the goal is, I think, at the end, that we're looking to produce from boys. And from boys can mean, you know, a lot of different things. There's a lot of area to, to you know, there's so many different ways a person can express his own individuality within uh, a from lifestyle. Uh, and, and that's what we're looking for. Fum boys are connected. Yeah, yeah, I would say the word I would add in is, is passion, meaning that uh, whether it's through chesed, as Rabbi mentioned, through tefillah, through, uh, you know, we have many of our boys actually are real leaders. At the end, they'll, they'll be running programs like whether it be, you know, NCSY Kola, whether it be in, in, in buses in Machach, whether it be in Sulam and Marsh. Meaning our boys leave with tremendous passion. And they have the passion and they have the ability to relate to many types of Jews because they've been spending the year with guys different than them. Rebellion, by the way, also, I'll just mention this also, our, our, our staff of Rebellion is very, very diverse. In most places you go to, you know, the Rebellion are, are, are similar type of hashkafa, you know, pretty universal. But by us, we have a diversity. Rabbi David, Rabbi Shai David, who's our Rosh Shiva, who's where everything begins, is a student of Soloveitchik, which we all know, certainly in Boston, I'm sure, I'm sure even more than we do even, that, um, you know, a lot of Talmudim read different things in the Rosh He's a very, very, very complex and diverse person. Our staff, so Rabbi David is a Talmud of that. He's, he's a tremendously... You know, besides being a tremendous Talmud Chacham, Rabbi Vashul, you know, a, a mind, a Torah mind, and a Mechaber Svarim, um, he also is someone who majored in biology and, and is, is, is holding in the world and, and Shakespeare. He's a person who's who, who's knowledgeable in many, many other areas. Rabbi Avraham of ours who are, you know, who, who are uh, very more Zionistic. You know, there's a Rabbi actually of ours who, who's currently, he, he served in the Israeli army, and he actually is on Milim fairly often. And there was a, we went on a teal one time to visit him on his army base, which was, uh, for the guys, an unbelievable experience. You see Rebbe in the base of Medrash with a button-down shirt and learning with guys. Next thing you know, you're visiting your, your, your Rebbe in an army base in his fatigues, and he's, he's kind of ordering around, you know, a bunch of younger guys in, around him with a gun in his hand. And, and to appreciate the diversity, you, when you walk in base of Medrash the next time, you look at him differently. You know, we, have, we have many, and, and, we, and we appreciate, and, and most of our maybe, maybe wouldn't be necessarily in, in that same, you know, in the same level of Zionism, but they, they're passionate, and, and we have students of ours who will become, go to the Israeli army, and students of ours who will go learn in, in, in yeshivas, you know, for, for years following the yeshiva experience. We're, we, we appreciate the passion that each person brings to the table when it's done with halachic frameworks and, and just trying to better the Jewish people. So again, as Rebecca mentioned, whether it's through chesed, whether it's through learning, whether it's through uh, volunteering, whether it's through teaching, whatever it might be, being, just being a kiddush Hashem and passion that you bring to the table is uh, what we hope to have in our Torah Tragic students. I want to get back to that diversity in just a moment. Before we get there, I'm curious <laughs> about a certain, uh, a certain way you deal with students. Is, are there consequences for students who don't join the program? Meaning, let's say a guy misses Shacharis. Or let's say a guy decides that I'm just not going to be doing a certain class in the afternoon or the evening or the morning or anything else. So we, How- we, we, we feel the best way to, uh, to deal with the students is treat them like adults. Which means we know in the future, beyond the year in Israel, your parent, you're not living in your parents' home for most of them, and they're going to be out in, in the world. They have to come to this decision that they're making to be passionate and connected. I say in quotes on their own. Now, we're not hands-off with them, but we give them, we, we support them in their development, which means as follows. My goal is not to give them a fantastic year of religious growth, you know, where I'm forcing them to do X, Y, and Z, and they have restrictions and lim- very limited what they can do. So they have the most learning hours, because I'm afraid when they leave, and they're, they're opened up again to, to, you know, to more free choices, they're going to kind of fall back to bad habits. We do with that when we feel like adults. If a guy doesn't go to Minion in the morning, one time, you know, I'll go over and pat him the back, everything okay, you feel okay, he's fine. I'd ra- I don't want to penalize anyone ever, but if a guy misses two Minion, which, which I gotta say the, the biggest challenge of, of, of our of our like kind of working with them and giving them room is is minion as you can imagine in the morning. Mm-hmm. A guy misses too many on them in a row, so so that night he can't go out that night. You know, we usually don't have a curfew in our yeshiva. What Again, do you mean usually? We, except for that guy. That oh, guy I see what you're we, saying, we right. don't or except for any security situations going mm-hmm. on. But it. usually a guy we, we, we try, our guys are coming to us, we trust them. We deal with them like adults, which means that if they want to go out till one thirty in the morning and meet some friends in town, of course in only certain places of town and only doing certain things then we're fine with that. But they have many the next day. If they're not able to judge their free, juggle their free time properly, then we have to come in and say, listen, you missed too many in a row in the morning. That's not acceptable by us. Um, you can't go out tonight. That's the rule. They all know coming in advance, coming in, coming in, you know, in advance that they have two nights, two, two mornings they miss in a row. That next night they can't go out. So we don't want to penalize. Our goal, we don't even want to restrict them. We want to give them opportunities to, to, to grow in their own skin at their own pace. 
but we need them to work within our framework. So discipline in our yeshiva is really done with, with a fatherly love more than it is with, 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 uh, with the stick. We try our hardest to, to work with each student, and if students require more time, we work with students. Guys come with religious backgrounds. I may give them a different set of rules than I give someone else. And I don't you think guys anyone, are okay with that? People understand? I don't know if, I, I, we don't, I mean, I think they understand the people different. Our goal, since we, we, we love each person, they know that. It's not, you're not, you're not berated when you do something wrong. You sat down, how can I help you? Someone missed a mini tune road. I said, I, I'll call Paul aside. You can't go out tonight, but how can I help you? Which madrich works best for you? Do you want to show a bet guy to come wake you up? There's actually a guy came in yesterday. I asked him. I said, How can, he missed three in a minute in a row, which is which is not so common. He missed three in a row. That's, that means you've been been docked one night, and he still missed the next day. I said, how can I help you? I said, is there anyone in yeshiva that you could think of that would be, he said to me, yeah, this Sean Beck kid, my next door, if he come and wake me up, I think I'd get up better. So I got into the kid. The kid was so flattered, the Sean Beck kid. Me? He picked me. Everyone else in the yeshiva, we work together as a group. So we pick their brains. What can we do to help you out? And, and when you're picked as a guy who could be the assistant, that someone else looks at you as a role model, it, it makes you fly. So because I mentioned earlier on the different diversity of levels coming in, there could be a Sean Off boy in the yeshiva who's someone else's role model. And he'll be the guy called upon. He's happy to do it to wake up his, his next door neighbor roommate, and he feels he feels He feels responsibility, and it creates a tremendous, tremendous connection to each other, and an appreciation of themselves also. So let's go back to diversity, but diversity in the rebellion. I've always been under the impression that Torah Shraga was, I even suppose, I'd say something like centrist Orthodox Yeshivish, something in that range. Is that true, or is that I've heard not the same accurate? thing. I've heard okay. the same thing as you have. Okay, is it true? I mean, there I mean, are bay, like there are bay that fit that bill. There are bay that fit that bill. Again, by us, our our real our goal is that a person becomes whatever he's passionate about in a halakhic format, which means that that that, that if he wants to take the more Zionistic approach. And he's connected to his rebellion, and he wants to stay in Eretz Israel, and he wants to go to the army so he can become able to stay here for the future. We support it. Not every rebbe will send his child there, but those rebellion will go to the techs that that, that that student has at the Kotel, mm-hmm. where else it might be. You know, we. we, we would you describe the yeshiva as Zionist or, or Lavdafka? Not necessarily so. It, it depends on who you ask. I define I describe the yeshiva as being yeshiva where. Whatever you want, you'll have rebellion of yours that are more Zionistic, rebellion of yours that are much less Zionistic, and, more, and maybe more, more right-wing, as you'd call it. And you're going to have everything in between. And you're going to have multiple rebellion that are fitting both those bills. And you're going to have, over the course of your day, you're going to come to contact with rebellion. You know, every, every morning, Saturday, you have two rebellion, or your rebellion. Rebellion for prevention is a 3 o'clock rebellion. It's the third rebellion you meet. Afternoon, you have two more rebellion. That's five rebellion you're meeting. 610 is another rebellion. That's six rebellion you're meeting. You have a Muster Seder of a mentor. We'll get to soon, but either a Kola guy who's in the base match with us, or a Shanabek guy, or a Rebbe. That's the seventh Rebbe. And then you have Night Seder, which you have eight Rebbe over the course of your day that you're going to be in contact with. And you'll have, and if you ask them that question, they'll give you different answers. And we, we, we take pride in that. We have diversity of Rebbe where you're going to find, number one, hopefully two things. Whichever one speaks your language most, you went to their homes for Shabbos, you, you appreciate the way they live their lives. That's the model I want to take, of course, combined with what you grew up with in your family. That's how I see myself. But you're also going to appreciate everyone else who's not like you. And you, you value what they bring to the table. So now when you see a Jew that's not like you, when you get older and you have a family, and you've decided whatever family, way you want to re- raise your family, every Jew comes to your door for sukkah or, 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 or whatever, you're happy to welcome him because you remember your Rebbe in, in Yeshiva, in Yeshiva Tartraga that was like that, and how you valued his family and his passion. And though it may not be what you value yourself, you appreciate it, and that's what we're trying to raise. So the answer to your question is, I can't answer your question. Every single Rebbe is very different. There's pros and cons to that. You know, we 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 was a big pro because we're, we're trying to create a mature, thought out, introspective person. And by seeing different approaches, we think gives the best opportunity for you to become that person. So, would you say there is not really one specific hashkaf that you're trying to impart, or is there something that ties it all together aside from being from Jews? A passion towards learning, a passion to your brother, a passion to your neighbor, and a, a real you know waking up in the morning feeling, what can I do today for Klaizro? That's it. How about after yeshiva? Do you support students who don't go to Yeshiva University? There is not an inst- a place that we would say that is where every student of ours should go. Including YU? Including YU. You know, for us, we believe that, that the next stage of life has to have in it a, a framework that's going to support what you did in the year in Israel. Most of the times, that should lead itself to having a Yeshiva experience within your college experience as well. So, you know, YU, of course, is the place that provides for that. And, and, and we have many, many students of ours who go to YU. Obviously, the, the, the bulk of our students, if you had to pick one place they go to, it's, it's to YU. Um, we have students of ours who go to more more yeshivish places, such as well, give me an example. Shai Yashiv, they'll go to Queens and learn Shai Yashiv, mm-hmm. or yeshivish go to the five towns. Landers, it's, Landers, you know, less, but 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 Landers. Mm-hmm. This past Shabbos, actually, I was in America. I went to NYU. We support our students in every location that they're found in. If they go to a place like NYU, University of Maryland, things like that, we want there to be a structure for them to have learning as part of their of their schedule. There's actually a student of ours in Maryland right now 
who started a quote-unquote kolo in Maryland. He started it among student-led to try to make a, a, an opportunity for people who are not in the, the classic colleges that have yeshiva attached to them, which really more is, is like the YU or even Queens with a yeshiva attachment to it, Landers, like you mentioned, because these boys also require learning structures and programming. We'll, we'll go when we go recruiting, or Biff and I both go recruiting, we'll make it a real part of us to go to places like Maryland or, or NYU and, and to spend time, student, time with our students over there to give them a shear or to spend a Shabbos together with them. I spent Shabbos both in Maryland and NYU in the last few years. Unbelievable experiences. And not only it wasn't limited to our tribe community, I, we want to embrace, I don't, I don't want to be selfish. And, and only to our tribe, guys, we had, a, I had an unbelievable meal at Chabad this past Shabbos and it was labadic. It was like energy, like I felt like I was back in Shiva. There were girls that were there also in the, in the, in the, build, in the room, but the, the guys surrounded me from yeshivas of, of all, all types, as you would call it, tier one yeshiva or tier two, or I don't think even anything other than tier two or tier three maybe. Whatever there were, everyone was there. It was an unbelievable experience. I got such a hana. And not only that, but the guys, Torchai guys also watching a Rebbe of theirs with their friends. From, you know, they're now in college. I got so many. They're proud of me. And they're proud of themselves also, I think. They're proud of themselves that we care so much about them in every place they're in. So to sum it up, we, we very much want our guys to leave the year not having the peak of their religious experience now. We want to continue to get better next year and next year. Most places, that would mean you have a learning environment attached to your, your university. If there are some guys for some reason who would thrive more in a place that was not like that, we would certainly be very happy for them to go to those places. Usually, the uh, experience of having a proper yeshiva you know, or a proper learning environment post the yeshiva year you know, would be best for most guys. But there are, uh, there are some few, a few that obviously will thrive being the man on a campus where it's not about learning, it's about like passion in, in, in community or, or things like that. So. And do you approach them, let, let's say there's a guy, and let, let's say he's <clears> going <throat> to Maryland or NYU. He doesn't say anything to you. You happen to know he's going to Maryland or NYU. You'll do you probably, go up to him and say, like, you know, I really want to talk to you about this, or do you wait for him to come to you? What's the approach of the issue? You'll probably off? have a conversation with them. But, but you know, we, we've, we've learned in the past, parents are not interested in their kids being be told that their college choice is not appropriate in the yeshiva that they're in. Also, we learned in the past that if you tell the boys and you work with them and say you should really, it's not the right place for you, then when they choose to go there in the end, you kind of lost credibility with them. And they, they lost their rebbe because you didn't support the decision. We want to support all of our Talmudim. We also want to give you our, our feelings and, and your decisions as well. Most kids will have a conversation, but if, the, if their kid says to the rebbe, this is where I'm going, I need your support, that's it. It's game over. There's nothing to talk about anymore. How about on the other side, though? Does everybody go to college or do some guys just decide to stick around and go to Kolel and not go to, do you, and if they do, would you support that? Uh, we do have guys like that. You know, they're also in the minority, you know, very few. But there, we have had guys over the course of the year who have decided. My brother actually went to Torah Shraga um, for two years, and then he afterwards continued on in Yeshiva. He's still here in Eretz Yisrael, you know, the 12th year since then. He actually did do, like, a college program on the side at some point, but it was after years of, of learning. Do the Yeshiva support that, or do you try to say, really, you should get a college degree? What's the attitude of the Yeshiva? Again, I think like Rabbi Schneider said, if a person is passionate about something, and I think when you're guiding somebody in general in terms of their life decisions, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break down on an individual basis very differently for different people. So if a person's in a position uh, in his life that that's a feasible option for him, so I think he's going to get a lot of support from the yeshiva. Uh, my brother was many years ago. There have been other guys like that over the course of the years. We've also had guys who have stayed in Israel and gone to the army. Um, there's guys like that now. We have a madrich in yeshiva right now who was in Torah Shraga for a couple of years. He went to the army for three years. And now he's back. He learned in Gris last year as Madrid Kontrojaga. He's again learning Gris this year. And he's also now starting a, a college program on the side. But again, it's after years of pursuing something else that he was passionate about. So I think that regardless of the path that you end up choosing, uh, if you decide that college is not coming right away, uh, so you're going to get support for that. I'll say the final point with, with that, if it's 100% correct, is that we try to work with parents. The last thing we want is to create parent-child conflict. At the end of the day, your parents are your parents. Your <laughs> rebbe is also your rebbe, but your parents raised you. Your parents supported you. We try our hardest to work with parents. Now, there are times when parents may not be happy with their kids' religious development. It's more than they want it to be. Okay, that, 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 no, that's you're not trying to have an output of just you again. Your parents, not, you can't. He's not going to get the same person that he is. But our, you know, as we mentioned, if a, if, a, if a parent would say to us, "Time's up," like no, let's say Shana Bet, for example, we have times. Let's when, talk when, about that too. If, yeah, you can include your talk about I'll the Shana Bet. Yeah, so yeah. we have approximately about uh, close to fifty percent, like forty percent of our guys come back Shana Bet. Usually, the, the Sephardic boys will not come back Shana Bet. Usually, that's the way it works. They're lucky to come Shana Aleph. Oftentimes, um, uh, close to half the uh, the Shana the Shana Aleph Ashkenazim will come back a second year. This year, we have like 33, 34 boys Shana Bet. Um, last year, we had closer to forty. I think 41, 42. If a parent would say to us, and we've had this in the past multiple times, you know, my son's coming to you for the year. This is not an option to come a second year. And we may talk about it with a kid, but when the parent says, like, this is, this is not to be done, that's it. It's over. Like, it's not to talk about it anymore. We, we try our hardest to, to deal with parents. You know, their decision and their, their input matters tremendously. 
So for us, again, a priority for us is really the the, uh, the piece of partnering with the parents. Our job is not to take your child, who you had for 18 years, kidnap him for the year, <clears throat> and send him back to you, and, and good luck in getting along together. This is, I say this in Israel Nights, this is the 19th year, Torah Shraga, of your 120-year program called Life. And we're part of it. And you're part of it. Parents are part of it. And we work together with them. I'm not going to lie and say there aren't times when the parents wish their kid didn't get as religious as he got. That might happen. But regarding their life decisions, you know, the parent and Rebbe work together. And again, there are times when, when it's, it's challenging because the kid really wants a certain thing. The parents are putting their foot down. And the Rebbe really wants that kid to get that thing in the end. But, but his hands are tied sometimes because the parent will not, he doesn't want it to happen. So there are times we get a phone call and, and, and the parent will say to us, listen, go to my kid and say you're fine with his choice of going to college. And even though it's hard and, and maybe he wants something different for himself, we say to them, listen, this is what your parents want you to do right now. We support you. We support you, we support you there. We'll figure out how to make it work over there. For us, it's, it's not. We, the last thing we want to do is create that conflict because it's important. That they, we want the parents to be proud of the kids, not there to be a, a, a strife or a stress factor going on. Rebifra, before you talked about the chesed opportunities being in Yerushalayim, let's talk about other aspects of being in Yerushalayim, which can be, as we know, a positive and a negative. Are there parts of it that are not so so good for the yeshiva? Um, I think we have a very uh, unique location in terms of dealing with the Yerushalayim issue. We're in what is, Can you define the Yerushalayim issue? What do you mean by that? I, in town, in Yerushalayim, so there's a lot of uh, very nice things. You know, the Kotel is right nearby. The Old City is right nearby. There are bars on Ben Yehuda Street or off Ben Yehuda Street. There are other places, you know, over there that, that we don't allow our guys to go to. I think one of the great things about being located in Baifagan is that we're not in the middle of any, uh, you know, problematic area. It's a vi- we have a very quiet, private campus. Um, the guys are really, uh, when they're in yeshiva, disconnected from anything that's going on in the larger city. But they have quick access, you know, Yishlaim is a central point, you know, going to town to meet friends. You know, there's leagues, football leagues, basketball leagues, and people getting together, you know, on Fridays and then Motsi Shabbos is, and, you know, late nights, especially in the beginning of the year, people want to see their friends who are here in other places. So on the one hand, we have easy access to, to a lot of the central areas in Baye Vigan. On the other hand, uh, we're separate, so we don't have to deal with, on a regular, constant basis, you know, anything problematic in the yeshiva. Now, you're right, the close proximity to some of the more problematic places can sometimes cause a problem. If we find out that a guy, you know, just to be very open, visited a bar one night, you know, the the yeshiva has a zero-tolerance policy for those kind of things. The guys know that coming in. Like Rabbi Schneider said, we treat them as adults. You know, we're not telling them, you know, that you have to be back in yeshiva every night by a certain time. As long as you're responsible about it, you can come back that night, and in the morning you're, you're able to be a minion. So we're okay with that. We understand that this is a long schedule. It's a big adjustment. It's a big transition from where they're coming from. And, uh, and sometimes you just need a little bit of freedom to, you know, to unwind at the end of the day. Um, but the unwinding has to come you know, in, a, in an appropriate setting. Halavai, if only it were that uh, Yerushalayim was the only uh, area in the country right now where the challenges are, are going on. You know, right now I think uh, there's been a spillover to other areas of the country. So Yerushalayim, in theory, is like a more of a, of a safe place to be in mm-hmm. compared to other more central locations. So we're, we're in a place where the distractions that could be, in theory, in Yerushalayim are not found in our campus. But it's very accessible to go to the old city, the Kotel. I walk there every year with my, my children. Guys will walk to Vasikin, you know, during Shavuos night. They'll stay by the and walk to the Kotel Vasikin. It's very accessible. Um, but but the distractions that come along with that are not... In Tor- in Vagan, Torchraga, there's certainly town as a location that people can access from many places. But uh, again, we're living a time when uh, when Yerushalayim is not the you know the, the, the right now it's not even the in place to be honest with you to go. So uh, good luck to all these shivas and make sure they keep their boys under wraps. Describe one thing that would take place in Torchraga that, to the best of your knowledge, wouldn't take place in any other yeshiva. So I'll tell you a, you know, a quick story. Again, I mentioned this in my Israel nights when I speak to parents, but um, I don't think you'll find in other yeshiva the types of interaction that the Rebbeim, Rosh Hashiva, and, and the Talmidim have. There's a story, without getting too much into the details of which player we're talking about, but there was a fantasy football fiasco that happened last year in, 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 in the world, I guess, but really in Torah because over Rosh Hashanah time, there was a player that was injured. The details don't really matter. There was a questionable trade that was made among the fantasy football players, I mean, within, within our yeshiva, and they were bothered by it. Some people said it was inappropriate, it was immoral, it wasn't right, it was sneaking. And they took it to the Rosh Hashiva. They asked the Rosh Hashiva, the Rosh Hashiva never heard of fantasy football ever beforehand. But he, he sat down with them, they explained to them, you know, just like the, the makings of what exactly this whole sport even is. It's not really a sport, this whole hobby even is. And he, he gave it time, he spent the night 
doing minimal research and presenting with them the in a business model how this would have been viewed if this was a uh, you know a business scenario. They left like and this happened like like a month in yeshiva. They left mouths dropped like what a yeshiva we have. Like he's willing to talk about anything that we want. Like we don't again some places you have a yeshiva is a chiller. Her David is not a chiller at all. Like he's a very serious person. That person usually is, is intimidating and off limits to you until you're you know shut up bed and even then only in learning questions. Rosh Shiva in Tartraga is a is a, an approachable, charismatic and caring Rebbe that can talk about anything with anyone at any point in time. I don't think you'll find a yeshiva in Israel with a personality like that that is interested and willing to do what what, what he does. Rosh Shiva at the same level of high level learning, at the same time that he can be according to you. And, and you know when he describes his youth, I'm always like I always think it's like humorous because I can't imagine growing up the way he did. Like finishing Rambam al Torah when he was in high school, and it, it is like the, the amount of knowledge that he has besides being a genius, but being so studious and and, and so. You know, so dedicated, and yet he he cares enough, and it's not it's not it's not even a show. He managed cares so much about with a boy, whatever they want to talk about. They're boys in yeshiva, by the way. Some of our boys who are most challenged, make careers with the yeshiva. They they they, they want time with the yeshiva. They'll talk to him about anything that you know, anything they want. He's there. Is he accessible? Extremely. He's in the base. He doesn't have an office. We're right now in an office. He doesn't have an office. His office is the base of mattress. The room in the base of mattress. His seat in the base of mattress. You'll see guys. It's like it's like a, it's like a revolving door. People are just waiting to get the chance. So there are boys in the yeshiva who like are not fitting. And you mentioned earlier, I you with the guy who doesn't fit into the yeshiva schedule so much. Oftentimes, part of that schedule will become time with the yeshiva. One on one with the yeshiva. Yeah, one on one, once a week, twice a week, whatever topic you want. The yeshiva is accessible and is there for you. And it's the uniqueness of the yeshiva, Rabbi David, something which you would say is truly. A, a, a Torah Shraga specialty is something that makes it unique? Well, I'll tell you, because, because we, we care to have our students be diverse, and we and we give them the, the ability to be more flexible in their programming and scheduling, we want we encourage them to ask their questions, and, and we don't want them to like kind of just be like meek. And, and, and so then that, that should result in, in opportunities of, of, of kind of like interest and, 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 and things popping up, ideas popping up that will be, let me tell you about Shiva, and let's ask him what he thinks. I think that opportunity is, is very unique in Yeshiva. We have, Rabbi Schneider mentioned earlier, we have here Rabbi Dr. Apfel, who is a pediatric cardiologist. Um, so I think that th- there are a lot of guys here who are interested in medicine or just in general, you know, medical ethics and halakha is a very interesting topic. Rabbi Apfel is a tremendous resource in that regard. He, he's an outstanding Tamil He's an outstanding doctor. Um, and he's also he's he's here for the guys to uh, to discuss. He gives shurim in those topics also. So he's also just a unique resource that we. Is have. he a full time rebbe in the yeshiva? He's a full time rebbe in the yeshiva. Yeah. Wow. In addition, this this is also a tremendous thing. Rabbi Apfel happens to be a tremendous balchesed. You know, I know of, uh, on a personal level, and I know you know from guys on a personal level also. If there's ever a medical issue that somebody's dealing with, again, he's not here to be a doctor. Obviously, he's here to be a rebbe, and he's an outstanding rebbe. But if there's ever any kind of personal issue that somebody has. Um, specifically in terms of medicine, so Rabbi Apfel is always there to advise and to guide and to help in any way that he possibly can. Um, and that's something that, you know, he would do for anybody, that's, but he happens to be here, and we're very lucky to have him here. Tell me something that needs improvement at Torah Shraga. What do you think you could do better? I would, I would say, I'm not sure it's Torah Shraga versus any of the yeshiva, but when you have a vision, because we're such a unique yeshiva, you need to get the right guy. We need to have the right people be part of this program. If you have a guy who's not the right person for the for the program, then you know he may need some, some people may need someone to crack you over the head. We don't crack people. That's not what we do. For a guy who needs to be like you know like put in a place and like you can't you know give not only a framework but give him like like a real structure where you can't budge from the structure or else they don't always thrive in our program. I wish there was a way to know in advance which guys are the guys. Again, we, most guys were well behaved and they're motivated and they're serious guys will thrive in Torah you have the occasional guys who come to us, and they're not ready for that. They're not ready for that maturity level. They're not ready for, for you know, for, to be treated like an adult like that yet. Maybe it could, it could have, usually it happens in the course of the year, but, but it's hard in the beginning for them, very hard. I wish there was a way that we would be able to weed out those, you know, th- that guy and, and to let him know there's a great issue for you, and it's not us. For two reasons. Number one is that he needs a place that's much more on top of him and rigid. And number two is that I don't want my guys who are fantastic, which is really the, the, the lion's share of them, I don't want them to have around them guys who they feel aren't part of the program. You know, I, I don't mind someone who's struggling in, in his schedule. That's fine. But your motivation and your, and your desire, what you're looking to do, that has to be, you have to be all, you know, all, all on board for that. And, and it'd be, for us, you know, we, every year you have two, three, four, whatever, X amount of guys per year that 
either they thought they're ready for it but not ready for it, or they just weren't even ready for it. And they just kind of like you know they wanted because their friends were going, they wanted to come also. I wish there was a way we could do we could we could f- like clean up those last four or five guys and direct them to a place that's much more fit for them. In terms of students, you mentioned you know trying to weed out and make sure you get the right group. Is there a common denominator that would link together an unsuccessful student? Yeah. You talk about motivation. Is, is that it or is there something else? The adult treatment that we give the guys does not work for everybody. Some guys are not ready to be assumed. <laughs> some guys are they're 18 years old, and some guys are really closer to it's 14. It's a funny age. Yeah, it's an age. It's an age where you know, either they, they were raised in a way when they were given freedoms already, which means they're more mature, and, and they, don't, they don't, you know, they're ready for this. Or they're just naturally more, you know, more interested in, 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 in reading. And there aren't so many every year, Baruch Hashem, thank God. We do a pretty good job. We, we, we communicate with the schools. We're not, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not arrogant to think. Right? If and I both are recruiting. We don't think that after 15, 20 minutes of meeting that, we sub them all up and we got it. There's a lot of, a lot of research goes into it, speaking to the Rebbeim. And, and they know what we are. The Rebbeim know what we are and who we do well with. And they try to help us with it also. But there's always a guy, you know, two guys, whatever it is. Again, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small amount. It's not a lot. But it's just those guys, it's, you watch them and, and you wish. But I think what they have in common, those guys, is that they're they're not ready to be treated like adults. They need to be treated like a kid, and they need someone who's going to put them in their place, who's going to, you know, and we don't, we, we speak with them. We don't speak to them. We speak, we speak with them. Some guys need to be spoken to. They're just not ready for that yet. That's, that's really the common, the common theme. Even guys who come in, let's say, from less religious families, but they really want it, and they, they're open-minded to it, and they want to be treated, those guys thrive by us, and they're, they're fantastic. And now with that, they're great role models for many of us. For us as well, because we watch their change. We watch their like their glow of their face, as I mentioned earlier on. Like when they go from like where they're up to in life, which is like just kind of minding, their, you know, doing their own thing, not really finding their way, and all of a sudden they're anchored. The glow that they have, when people see them, they're like, "What happened to that kid?" That's because he's, he's mature. He wants to listen. He wants to have a conversation. But a kid who's like he's like kind of closed off. He wants to do his own thing. He just he's just kind of buying time in yeshiva. And he needs to have someone who's gonna like you know be tough. And we're we're not the place interested in going to a guy's face. We want to hold your hand, not to bop you over the head. How about on the stronger level? Would you say, in fairness, that no matter which yeshiva you want to go to, no matter what level you're coming in on, no matter what level you want to reach, we will be able to provide for you? Or is there a certain point which we say, you know something, there are the occasional students who really have to go to a much stronger yeshiva. Now, Torah is a very strong yeshiva. Right. But is it possible that there'd be a student you'd say, you know, really, you want to go to a place which is, you know, three-star Gemara a day, and, and that's right? Is there such a thing? Sure. I would say to you, not as much as people think there are. I Meaning, you know, let's say you take a, the top-tier yeshiva. I'd say the top ten guys in the top-tier yeshiva wouldn't want to go to Tartraga. Why? For two reasons. Number one, they want Gemara all day long. Number two, they don't want to be with guys who have, have, a, have a, let's say, learning curve. They, they want everyone homogeneous. That's what they're looking for. A guy who would, let's say, on a Saturday night in high school would rather learn the basic madras than talk to a friend or, or whatever it might be. Those guys, they don't, quote-unquote, need the, or maybe even care for the personal connection the Rebbeim want to do have with the guys. They don't care about the fact that the Rebbeim will go on a tool with you or play ball with you to connect with you. In many areas outside the basic madras, you know, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking just to be in the basic madras, learning, and they're fine with that. Torchai is trying to create a greater, a more involved student with his rebbeim in aspects beyond just Gemara. For a guy who wants to look at Gemara, three star a day, it's all he wants. It's all he... So that, that guy probably at some point would look at Torchai and be like, that's not what I'm looking for. But it's not based on a, on, a, on a level of learning. It's based on an interest in how you want to spend the course of your year. But a guy, we'd say to a guy, why would a guy who's a top guy come to us? Because he wants to catch with his rebbe. He wants to play ball still and have a fun, competitive intramural basketball league. He wants to go on trips and hikes and see the country. Those guys will come to us even though they could have been in the top tier of the top tier yeshiva. And again, I mentioned before, Rabbi Affel gives that cheer. Rabbi Dr. Howie Affel gives that cheer. We're, you're not going to be exposed to a person like Rabbi Affel. Uh, we, we travel, we live near each other in Ramat Bishemesh. And um, it's very important actually to hear about where the Rabbi live. It's also an important question to answer. But we live in Ramat Bishemesh and we have a van we go on together, you know, most days. And so to get to the yeshiva. To get to the yeshiva. We have a carpool. And, and uh, we, we all get phone calls from our wives, from our students, you know, things like that. Um, so I get a phone call from a student one time. He's asking me about dating. And um, I guess I, t- I tell a story also in Israel nights. He asked me about dating. He wants to know about, um, you know, should he go on a fourth date with his girlfriend? And he tells me about what happened on the third date. And the other year I hear about Apple gets a phone call. And he's, you know, he's asking questions like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the pain level? Uh, you know, how, when, explain to me when you're shortness of breath. You know, I'll be going to America. He says, I'll be going to America and we can have hold off in the surgery. When I get there, we'll, we'll, we'll explain it. And I'm like to my, you know, my student, like, go on a fourth date. It's no problem. I mean, like, like <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're watching, you know, uh, the, the, the guy giving, the Rebbe giving the top shear to the top guys in Shiva is himself such a, a balmidos. It, you're not going to, again, I mentioned, you're not going to find personalities like this in most years you go to. So, mm-hmm. 
a top-level guy may want to have his Rebbe. And by the way, his shear is small. 10 to 12 guys with a Rebbe and a Shoal Meshiv in his shear. So you're talking about being, you know, one of, of 45 guys or, or 25 guys, 20, 30 guys in a shear in one of those places, or being one of 12 guys with two Rebbe, which Rebbe Apple is one of them, in Torah it's a pretty pretty good sell. Now, if you're not in his shear, do you still have access to Absolutely. him? Absolutely. If you mentioned already, he gives he actually has a, on Thursdays he has a question and answer session from two to three. He's again because of his of his background, he went to Columbia. He's 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 holding a lot of areas besides just medicine and Gemara. He's a philosophy. There's a question and answer session open people to come and pick his brain about things. He also has a medical ethics shear. He gives people are very attracted to his, his talks because he's you know they understand he's a he's a man of the world in a way that maybe some of us are not as much, but we all appreciate what he brings to the table like that. Just to get back to what you said a moment ago, in terms of where the Rebbeim live, where do they live? A large percentage of our guys live in... The Rebbeim. Rebbeim, sorry. Ramat Beit Shemesh, Beit Shemesh. Well, I'd say we have close to eight or ten. There are pros and cons. How, how many Rebbeim do you have altogether? We have... Oh, it's a lot. We have a lot of Rebbeim. It depends on what, you, what we call a Rebbe, but like, you know, every... Well, how about full-time staff? My guess is uh, close to... 15, 15 to 20? Yeah, not vicinity. 15 to 20. Plus a lot of part-timers. Well, a lot of people come in at night times, exactly, or come in in the afternoon, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, there are pros and cons, you know, to, to being outside of, of, of the yeshiva. A, a pro, well, most of the cons are pretty obvious. You know, when, when you leave, you know, you're, you're far from You the as campus. a rebbe. Yeah. I have myself as a rebbe, exactly. The pros are two things. Pro number one is that my family is far away from me, and I don't have a car in campus, which means when I'm in the yeshiva from 9.15, I'm there till 6 o'clock, Whatever you want, I'm not going home to you know to help my, my wife out right now. She's I wish I could. If she's listening over here, honey. I wish I could help you more. <laughs> He'll be home soon. He'll be no, home. Soon. I'll, be, I'll be home soon. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but like you know, I'm here, which means at lunchtime I'm eating lunch with the guys. Intramural basketball, I play actually one of the teams with the guys. Chabrusa time in the basement. I'm learning with guys. We're, we're, we're quote unquote stuck until we leave. Second thing is then when it comes to Shabbos is you know you don't come to me for a meal. You come to me for a Shabbos. You're part of my family for a Shabbos. Mm-hmm. You stay in my house. You know we, we spend time together. We you know we talk till the late hours of, of the night. You spend time with my kids. So between you and I, I'd rather be closer to Shiva. You know, Rebbe will tell you about the, the pros of that. But there are there are a lot of pros that come along with being far away from your home while you're in yeshiva and bringing the guys to your home for these opportunities like Shabbos, for example. Rabbi Yifra will tell you a little bit more of the, the Yishalayim based Rebbeim. Yeah, the, we have also a nice number of, fair number of Rebbeim who live here in Yishalayim. Near the yeshiva? So there are three who right now live in the immediate area of the yeshiva. Myself, the Av Bayit, who lives on campus, and then Rabbi Blaski, who lives uh, also in Bayvagan, right next to yeshiva. Eliezer. Oh, and Eliezer, fourth, fourth Rebbe, lives right near yeshiva. We have the luxury of being here a lot. I myself so get here. So are you here in Chavez's? I myself get here every day at you know, Shacharis, I get here at 7.30 in the morning. I, I learn here morning Seder every day, which, you know, is mostly learning, but I can't say that, you know, there's not a good portion of that time is spent, you know, speaking to guys and answering questions for them, you know, for their doing morning Doing stupid Seder, interviews. Doing interviews. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I teach her afternoon Seder. I teach her night Seder. I'm here minimally till around 10.30 every night. Very often I'm here till 11.30, 12 o'clock, you know, it can get very, very late. Guys walk me home very often. It's a, it's a great time, you know, after a full day to schmooze, you know, like to get every, anything off so your chest. So you have chest. a bit of both, Rebbe who live near the yeshiva and Rebbe who don't. We've got both, yeah. I have the luxury of being here for Shabbos's, you know, very often. What's, what's it like on Shabbos, Rebbe? Shabbos is outstanding here, you know, especially we have we have one out of every three Shabbos is an in Shabbos when the whole yeshiva is here. So every in Shabbos. Do you come in for every in Shabbos? I'm basically here for every in Shabbos. I don't necessarily eat the meals here. You know, sometimes I do, sometimes is I don't. Is there an in Shabbos Rebbe who does? There are multiple in Shabbos Rebbe, uh-huh. at least two, and then we have the Avbaya, usually a a third. So there's three Rebbeim usually here for an in Shabbos with all the boys. The Ruach, you know, is tremendous. Kabbalah Shabbos. And then there's an Oneg, a Tish afterwards, some type of program, some like question answers or a Shir. And I, and I have the privilege myself, Rebbe Roblowski, Abayid who's here. We all have the privilege of being here, you know, and being a part of it very, very often. I would say, like, the yeshiva is my second home, but I actually spend a lot more time here than I do at my first home. So maybe <laughs> the yeshiva is really my first home. Once again, apologies to your wife. Apologies so. to my <laughs> wife. And, and hakar satov to my wife, really. That's, that's really what it is, that the, she the, is supportive of it. That reminds me of something interesting about Tavar Shrago. I'm curious your take on this, is that you share a base medrash with Yeshiva University in Israel. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So what, a, what's that like? That's also a tremendous um, a tremendous thing about the yeshiva. They're about, I myself started in the Griscolo. Many of the other Rebbeim also here spend time in the Griscolo. Um, and and I you just transitioned over. Exactly. I started giving shiver, and uh, it's great for the kolel, and it's great for it's great for the yeshiva. You know, when I was in the kolel, my first opportunity to give shiver, 
was to the Torres Shraga boys. You know, one year it was once a week, the next year it was twice a week, the next year it was like three or four times a week. And then like, and then I became a Rebbe here. It was a tremendous opportunity for me. And, you know, we have a staff of Rebbeim, outstanding Rebbeim on staff in Torres Shraga. And then we almost have like a satellite staff of guys who are in the Griskolo who, you know, as close as I live to Yeshiva, which is about a 15 minute walk, these guys actually live on campus. How many Kolo guys are there in the Kolo? It depends on the year, between 20 and 30 guys in the Kolo. Our, our guys have chavruses with them every night during Musar Seder. So it is somewhat our, integrated. It, we, I mean, somewhat integrated. You know, we have 8.15 till about 8.50 every night is Musar Seder, and every, almost every guy in the Griskolo learns with one or two of our guys with chavrusa. And then a lot of times, you know, from that, a relationship develops. They have guys over for meals, and they're right here on campus. They talk to them. They become mentors for them. So that's also a tremendous thing. We're running out of time. So to conclude, what would be your definition of a student's having had a good and successful year? I would say, again, it's, yeah, in order to answer that question, you have to know where they're coming from. So what I tell the students is that, uh, really, I'll, I'll rephrase your question to make it more global than just Tartraga. What, what makes a, a successful Jew? So uh, I think what makes a successful Jew is a person who every single day of his life gets better, gets better at being a Jew. Whether it be, you know, if you're coming from a less affiliated place, it could be becoming more knowledgeable and more following halacha. If you, if you have a, a bad temper, it could be building up and, and, you know, and improving that area. Because of guys we have are so diverse, you know, I would define a Torah success story as a person from day one. Every single day of his year, he was working on getting better. Some guys might be very focused on the textually part of that. Some guys may be focused more on the Ben Amlachavir part of that. Some guys may be more Ben Amlachavir of working on their tefillah. But where a person comes in from day one and he has not a year that he spent in yeshiva where he has a shirt, you know, I survived my experience at Torah but where every single year, every single day of that year, he worked to become more improved, better. There, are, even when you take time off, that's to better yourself also to take that release that you need. But where his mindset from day one till the day he left was, I want to make this the best year of my life, and I want to make sure I leave with a passion that, that I never thought possible. It's, I'm giving a vague answer because we have such a unique student body that I couldn't possibly answer that question that would carry over to every one of those students. Can't put it better than that. Avifra, Roshnado, thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. appreciate you coming down here for it. To learn more about Torah Shraga, go to www.torahshraga.com.